0: I Take History with My Coffee podcast. Episode 11, Gutenberg's Printing Press. Conrad Saspak testified that Andrew Heilman once had come to his home in Vendors Lane and had said, Dear Conrad, as Andrew Dreitzen has died and thou had made the press and knowest of the affair, so go thither and take the pieces of the press and lay them apart from each other. Then nobody will know what it is. Now when this witness wanted to do this and searched, the thing was gone. Port Records of the City of Strasbourg, 1439 Welcome back to the I Take History with My Coffee podcast, and thank you for continuing our exploration of the early modern period. By the middle of the 15th century, the threat of the Ottoman Turks had become a significant concern for the Catholic West. The Latin world watched with dismay as the Ottomans quickly encroached upon the remaining territory of the Byzantine Empire. Even before the fall of Constantinople in 1453, there was an effort to garner support for the remaining Christian strongholds in the eastern Mediterranean Sea. Cyprus was one of these strongholds. The Catholic Church raised funds throughout the medieval period by selling indulgences. Indulgences were issued by the papacy. Providing a means for the faithful to have their sins forgiven under conditions outlined in specific indulgences. Indulgences lessened a person's time spent in purgatory. On August 12, 1451, Pope Nicholas V announced that anyone who contributed funds for the defenses of Cyprus between May 1452 and April. 1454 would be granted a general indulgence the pope assigned a sepriat noble to oversee the distribution of these letters of indulgence and the collection of money usually the letters of indulgence were handwritten this meant employing an army of scribes whose cost put into the profits from the sales of the indulgences Yet in 1454, something different appeared in Maas, Germany. There appeared printed copies of the letters of indulgence. The Maas indulgences came in two versions. There is a 30-line version and a 31-line version. They are the earliest printed material in Europe. That a date can be established. It is unclear who the printers were of these indulgences, but scholars have leaned towards ascribing the 30 line version to a print shop in Mons, run by Johannes Gutenberg. The city of Mons had declared 1400 as Gutenberg's birth year but his birth date can only be estimated between 1394 and 1404. Much of Gutenberg's early life remains undocumented. He was born Johannes Jansfleisch Gerladen im Hof zum Gutenberg in Mons, Germany. His father was a member of the wealthy patrician elite of Mons, and his mother descended from a noble family it is assumed that Gutenberg received a comprehensive education afforded to families of his status, presumably at the University of Erfurt or one of the monastic schools. In 1411, civil unrest against the upper classes in the city forced many patrician families to leave, and the Gutenbergs are thought to have been among them. There is a mention of them possibly living in Eltville am rhein at an estate Johannes Gutenberg's mother owned. There is a record of a Johannes Gutenberg in the school records, but Johannes is a popular name. So it is unclear if this was Johannes Gutenberg or a relative of the same name. All we know for sure is that the Gutenbergs were not in Mons. It is not until the 1430s that we have any documentation directly concerning Johannes Gutenberg. He begins to appear in town and court records in Strasbourg. He seems to have started as a goldsmith for the local militia. This is hardly surprising. His father had been involved with the mint for the Archbishop of Mons, and Gutenberg would have gained considerable knowledge and skill. In metalworking. Gutenberg's father died in 1419, and Gutenberg inherited a considerable amount of money. He seemed to have been a man of entrepreneurial ambition. Strasbourg was three times bigger than Mons and provided ample opportunity for an enterprising young man. One of these early business projects was the production of so called salvation mirrors. It was believed that these mirrors would capture holy light from religious relics. In 1438, Aachen, the site of the shrine for Charlemagne, decided to exhibit several of its relics associated with the first holy Roman emperor. Gutenberg planned on making metal badges with convex mirrors to sell to pilgrims on the journey to Aachen. He made his mirrors from highly polished tin alloy, demonstrating his knowledge of metallurgy. Unfortunately, the plague and severe flooding hit the area, which canceled the planned event. Gutenberg ended up losing money on the venture. How and when Gutenberg began developing the printing press is shrouded in mystery. This is not unusual as trade guilds and artisans closely guarded their practices against potential rivals. In the court records of Strasbourg, though, we have clues about Gutenberg's early efforts at printing. Sometime around 1438, he entered into a partnership with several men. The nature of the partnership was to remain a secret, and if one of the partners died, that heirs would not take his place. One of the partners, Andreas Tritzen, died the following year. Tritzen's brothers demanded that Gutenberg accept them as partners or repay their brother's investment. Gutenberg refused and the case was brought before the court. The surviving documents provide us with the earliest authoritative source of information about Gutenberg's activities in Strasbourg. The minutes discuss the existence of a press and related materials. It is inferred that Gutenberg had begun experimenting with the printing press design and metallic, movable type. However, there is no record of actual printing activity, as no books or other printed material survived from this early date. Gutenberg disappears from the Strasbourg records about 1444. And is back in Mons in 1447. By the summer of 1449, he has obtained a loan of 800 guilders to purchase material to build and run a printing press. This first loan was perhaps given to him by a wealthy moneylender, Johannes Fust. Fust would lend Gutenberg another 800 guilders four years later. At this time, son-in-law, Peter Schoffer, joined the partnership. Schoffer had once been employed as a scribe in Paris, and it's possible that he helped Gutenberg design the first typefaces and ran the shop's day-to-day operations. The print shop was set up in the Hofsum-Hombrek. It is possible that the 30-line Mons Indulgence was printed in this shop. The earliest printed material that can be directly linked to Gutenberg is a fragment of a German poem. During this time, Gutenberg also began printing an edition of the Bible that now bears his name. Between 1450 and 1454, Gutenberg worked on printing his edition of the Bible. In doing so, he employed perhaps as many as 20 assistants. He used a mix of paper and parchment to produce roughly 180 copies. The Gutenberg Bible contains two volumes, each in folio format, that is, left and right pages. It is St. Jerome's Vulgate Latin translation of the Bible. Each page has 42 lines for a total of 1,282 pages a single Bible probably would have taken a single scribe over a year to complete. Today, 49 copies of Gutenberg's Bible are preserved, though only 20 are complete editions. What Gutenberg achieved was the development of a mechanical device to more efficiently produce printed material. The printing press applied steady and consistent pressure in applying ink to a print medium. This was an improvement over brushing or rubbing ink to achieve the transfer. Gutenberg combined several different technologies and processes into one complete system. The foundation of the printing press was the screw press. The screw press was utilized by the Romans beginning in the 1st century CE. It was used mainly for pressing grapes for wine or olives for oil. Gutenberg made modifications so that the power of the press was applied evenly. He introduced a movable undertable on which sheets of paper could be swiftly changed out to increase production speed. But perhaps the most significant innovation done by Gutenberg was regarding movable type. Here he applied his many years of experience in metalworking. The concept of a movable type had been around before Gutenberg. There is evidence that it was at least known in Europe since the 12th century, probably coming from China via the Islamic world. China had printed f- For centuries before that. At first, wood blocks were carved for each page, but during the Song dynasty in the 10th century, blocks were made for individual characters. Unfortunately, wood is not durable, and the Chinese language has thousands of characters. Therefore, the printing process did not have the efficiency or ease required to gain widespread use in Chinese society. Gutenberg most likely experimented with a variety of alloys. In the end, he used a lead-based alloy to produce the type. This alloy is still used today. Details of Gutenberg's method of creating type have been speculated about, But as the printing industry rapidly emerged, the punch method became a standard. The type is designed using a unique hand mold and a matrix. The matrix is the actual mold from which the type is cast. The matrix is made by punching a letter-shaped cavity into soft metal, such as copper. This would then be held in the lower part of the hand mold. The upper part would close, and then molten metal would be poured into the matrix. This would allow printers to quickly make additional type required for a job, or replace worn-out typefaces. But metal was highly durable and would last a long time. The actual operation of Gutenberg's original printing press is also the subject of conjecture. No examples of the first printing press have survived, and the ones in museums are replicas based on later descriptions and illustrations. Based on later print shops, we can visualize the fundamental procedures. The type was set on a wooden plate known as the lower platen, and then this was placed face-up on the press. The type was inked, and then a sheet of damp paper was laid upon the type. The upper platen was then pressed down onto the paper. Once the page was completed, it was removed. The operation was repeated with the next sheet. Pages were then hung to dry. Using this process, a printer could produce hundreds of pages an hour. Gutenberg is also credited with developing an oil-based ink, rather than water-based, which better adhered to paper and was long-lasting. Despite the seeming success of the printing business, Gutenberg's principal benefactor, Johannes Fust, decided to accuse him of mishandling funds. Fust requested his investment back. Gutenberg owed Fust over 2,000 guilders with interest, a substantial sum of money that Gutenberg did not have. Fust brought him to court, and Gutenberg was ordered to turn the printing press and the business over to Fust. Gutenberg set up another shop in Banburg in 1459, but he might have stopped printing after 1460. This may have been due To failing eyesight. In 1465, the Archbishop of Mons granted him the title of Hofmann, a gentleman of the court. Gutenberg was awarded an annual stipend, but died in poverty three years later. Gutenberg's printing press had spread rapidly across Europe by his death. Almost immediately, an information revolution occurred. Sir Francis Bacon regarded printing as one of the three inventions that changed the appearance and state of the world. Gunpowder and the compass are the other two. Though accurate numbers can't be calculated, by 1500, many scholars estimate that nearly 8 million books were printed. This possibly surpassed the output of all the scribes working since the 4th century CE. Scholar Aaron J. Kearns remarked, There are many individuals who deserve the honor of being named man or woman of the millennium. Over the past 1,000 years, every field of endeavor has produced exceptional men and women whose contributions changed the course of history. However, Gutenberg is somewhat unique. His work enabled the mass distribution of the printed word for the first time. Books changed everything. Like seeds scattered across the world, they sprouted new ideas and discoveries that have affected virtually every aspect of modern life. Even in our electronic age, the printed book is still a powerful force. Think about the internet. And the World Wide Web. Consider how these have transformed our society and how we distribute and receive information. It's not hard to imagine that the people at the turn of the 16th century felt the same as we do. To fully understand this impact, we need to take a look at how things were prior to 1450. In the next episode, I'll explore book culture and learning in the late medieval period. As always, maps and other supporting resources for all episodes are listed in the episode description. In the meantime, for more historical content, please visit the I Take History with My Coffee blog at itakehistory.com, and also consider liking I Take History with My Coffee Facebook page. Feedback and comments are welcome at itakehistory at gmail.com. If you know anyone else who would enjoy this podcast, please let them know. And thanks for listening.